All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of the Southeast Tooth Podcast. It is Friday, January 18th, 2019. On today's episode of the podcast, a special mailbag edition uh, I put out on Thursday that uh, we would be doing another one of these. And so you guys sent in some great questions. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive into those. Uh, Michael asks, uh, can the Aggies avoid the seller this year in the SEC? Uh, Texas A&M is actually playing better, I think, um, when you compare it to how they were playing earlier in the season. Uh, they had a lot of losses that were really, you know, they had some close losses in there. When you look back at those UC Irvine games, uh, Minnesota, Washington. But to, to lose that 15-point game at home to Texas Southern before you start SEC play, it was not good. But yet, the Aggies have not played all that bad, really, in three of their four SEC games. I didn't think they played terrible against Auburn. I just thought Auburn played really, really well um, to get that 19-point win earlier in the week. But Texas A&M is going to struggle, and it's just going to be one of those things that it's a depth thing to where I just don't know that you can compare Texas A&M's depth uh, with some of these other teams and feel like they're going to have a chance uh, to win enough games to maybe stay out of that bottom tier uh, in the SEC and the problem too is the schedule kind of doesn't do them any favors they do have four of their next five at home uh, with a matchup against Kansas State and the SEC Big 12 Challenge kind of in the middle of that but they got a lot of road games uh, after that down the stretch and it's just it's going to be tough uh, even with them improving and I would expect them to continue to improve uh, but I just don't know that there's enough depth right now and there's not enough consistency uh, that they're playing with for an entire 40 minutes uh, for them to probably avoid uh, being in one of those bottom spots in the SEC. So next question uh, is from uh, Jason, and Jason uh, says, I have two questions for you. Uh, am I a certified fortune teller since I predicted Ole Miss to be the SEC sleeper team this year? Uh, well, you, you did say it, and I remember you saying it a lot on Twitter, and you know, I always said too is, Ole Miss being picked last was probably sort of the safest pick for a lot of people, and it was I think it was similar uh, to maybe LSU last year where you have a new coaching staff, you don't really know what to expect, but when you looked at that roster, I just didn't think Ole Miss's roster was as bad as, as people were making it out to be, and I know they finished last last year, um, but sometimes you just need a fresh voice, and I think that's where... Um, they've kind of had that buy-in, and you guys know if you listen to the podcast, we had an interview with Kermit Davis on Thursday. The, the buy-in's just been there, and uh, he's he's brought in some guys that have really kind of meshed uh, with that really the core nucleus that they had coming back of Terrence Davis and Brian Tyree, Devontae Shuler, guys like that. So you bring in Blake Henson and other guys as well that have really uh, made a, a big impact, and that's what's helped Ole Miss uh, be one of the surprise teams for sure. And then the other question, um, have you ever seen a bigger downfall with an SEC player than you have seen with Jalen Hudson this season? It's tough. I mean, it's, you know, I don't think any of us could have expected something like that. And and look, that's one of the reasons why uh, Florida is 9-7 and seven right now because uh, we came into the season feeling like, despite losing Chris Chioza, despite losing Igor Kulachov, we felt like Jalen Hudson's scoring ability uh, was going to give them enough of a boost to where you bring in all these talented players around him with with the freshman class. Uh, you have Kayvon Allen coming back, feeling like he's going to play with more confidence, and he has. Uh, but it, it is. It's been such a change 
from what we saw a season ago, and it's very surprising. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing we were talking about, too, was was he even going to come back to where, he, you know, felt like he went into the draft process, and you probably felt like he was going to come back, but th- there was still that question out there. And now to kind of have the season uh, that he's had, and I know it has to be frustrating for him. It certainly has to be frustrating uh, for the coaching staff because you just kind of don't know uh, what to expect at this point. And it's it's definitely been a situation where, I don't think any of us could have saw it coming based on how well he played last year. Um, and, you know, look, if Florida wants to be a team that gets to the NCAA tournament, uh, if they want to make a, a big run here, they, they need him to play well. I mean, it's just it's a matter of fact. They need him to play well. And, um, you know, are those opportunities going to be there for him based on how he's played thus far this season? We don't know. And it's, it's a game-by-game game thing, as we've seen. And, um, the Gators just have to, like many teams, they have to be able to put it all together uh, for an entire game uh, because it's just it's not easy in the SEC, as we know. Uh, and now with, with Florida riding a two-game losing streak, they're 1-3 in league play, have to go to Georgia on Saturday, uh, which Georgia has played pretty well at home uh, for the most part this season. So that's by, by no means going to be a gimme. Uh, and then I mentioned many times, Florida's February stretch is pretty brutal. So the, the Gators got to get back on track, and there's no doubt. You know, you want to be able to rely on someone like Jalen Hudson, who you fully expected to be your star player and to be the guy you could go to in all these different situations. Yet, when you kind of look at the minutes and the production, uh, it just hasn't been there so far this season. Next up uh, from Keith. Keith asks, when was the last time a regular season SEC matchup looked as good as this year's Auburn versus Tennessee game will be? Having that game at the very end of the season makes it even better. Yeah, I think right now, um, you know, Tennessee and Auburn are, are probably the two best teams in the SEC, and you, you could throw you know, Ole Miss in there still. I think you can throw LSU in there for sure. Um, LSU's a team that, that I think has kind of been overlooked, and we'll talk about them in a second. Um, but there's no doubt. I mean, it's going to be a huge game. You fully expect both Tennessee and Auburn to be going into that final week or two of the, the SEC regular season. Uh, feeling like they still have a legitimate shot to win the SEC regular season title. So it's going to be a huge game. Um, How you compare it to others in the past, I'm not completely sure. I'm sure there have been other games we've looked forward to over the past several years. Uh, But, you know, kind of hard to to remember off the top of my head. But it is. It's going to be huge just because uh, you've got the the reigning champions going up against each other. And and like I just said, that the two teams really probably along with Kentucky and and several other teams could be in that mix as well that you fully expect to have a chance to to compete for another regular season title so it'll be a huge game Um, Auburn Arena will be rocking just like it will this weekend uh, for the Kentucky matchup there for the Tigers so there's no doubt it's a highly anticipated game and we fully expect both of these teams uh, to continue to rack up wins as they go throughout the non throughout the conference slate uh, here moving forward so another question uh, from Nick uh, Saban which may or may not be the actual Nick Saban uh, the coaches of the Alabama football team I can't confirm or deny he asks, what are your thoughts on Alabama basketball thus far and how far do you see them going postseason wise well um, I think the thing with Alabama is it's sort of become a common theme uh, when we look at the past several seasons, and probably even longer than that if we just go back, and this can be the case for a lot of teams, but it certainly stands out with Alabama. There are always, it seems like, several games during a season where Alabama is going to look back and feel like 
getting to the NCAA tournament would have been a whole lot easier if we would have just taken care of business uh, in a couple of these games. And you can certainly already point to a couple this season. Georgia State, where you have a big lead, and then you give Demarcus Simons a chance to come out and hit the game winner. Texas A&M, just no business losing that game the way that, that the Crimson Tide did. Uh, and then you allow T.J. Starks to hit you know, a wild shot off the backboard at the buzzer. You, just, you can't put yourself in a situation like that. And Alabama has seemingly done that over the past several seasons where they just have some of these games that get away. And you can't afford that when you're trying to already be a team uh, that's probably picked in the middle of the pack in the SEC and probably considered a bubble type of team anyways. And so when you let those games get away, it just puts yourself uh, you know, kind of in a rough spot. And, and I said it earlier in the week too, the game at Missouri was as close to a must-win game as it gets at this point in the season because when you look at Alabama's schedule next, at least SEC-wise, and even when you throw in the road game at Baylor, um, you're at Tennessee, you're home against Ole Miss, you're home against Mississippi State, you're at Auburn. It's just that that's not easy. And you could, you know, you could certainly make the case and say, well, I could see Alabama losing all those games. Um, but you could also say, well, I can see Alabama winning uh, the majority of those games, maybe. You know, Tennessee's going to be tough, at Auburn's going to be tough, as we know, but you just have to be able to hold serve at home. And that's something that Alabama's let two home games this season kind of slip away that they should have should have won and it just kind of it changes the complexion of your season where now you're sitting at two and two in the SEC uh versus probably should be three and one right now um and so it's it's just one of those things and I think just like last year um we're gonna see a situation where Alabama goes into the start of March um being right there on the bubble would be my expectation and it's gonna probably come down to a, a situation where they're gonna go into the SEC tournament uh, needing certain results to happen. And if you just find a way to get that consistency so you get some of these wins, you get over that hump, then maybe you're not sitting in that position. So it, I know it's a frustrating time uh, for Alabama fans when you have games like this. And uh, I, it's just going to continue to be one of those things where Alabama has a lot of good players on their roster. Um, it's just a matter of meshing everything together. And I don't know that that always happens uh, within a, the time span of a single game. It just seems like you have a bunch of guys uh, who are really good at individual type of skill sets, but maybe their strengths don't always kind of go together. And that's something that, that may continue to be an issue. Uh, and, you know, we know kind of what the balance can be when they get the production off the bench. That um, They need that. They, they have to have everyone involved. They have to have everyone contributing. You know, Avery Johnson Jr. scores 14 points the other night. Uh, they've got to have different guys that can help. They can't just rely, you know, on one player like they did a year ago, and even at times this season where they've had to rely on Kyra Lewis as much as they have. So it's all about getting better. Um, but for Alabama, it's just you have to avoid those types of games that they've had uh, a couple times this year. If you can do that, win the games you're supposed to win at home, go out and beat some people on the road like they did against Missouri. They'll be on the right side of the bubble and may be in pretty good shape uh, once we get into uh, tournament selection time, uh, which I know has kind of been a a frustrating and a nerve-wracking thing uh, for Alabama fans over the years. So, All right, uh, next question is from Bennett. He asks, um, how much lower is Ole Miss's floor ceiling if uh, Devontae Shuler misses a significant amount of time or plays through pain but not at 100%? Yeah, he, uh, he suffered the injury. And, um, you know, it's something that, that would definitely play a huge role because 
he's someone that when I talked about it earlier, just about this returning nucleus, I mean, he's someone that's right there. He's been one of their better players. We know what he offers um, on the defensive side of the court. And really, you know, offensively, he's put together some solid performances. He had double-digit games. And as many minutes as he plays, I mean, you know, he's usually playing 30-plus, 32-plus minutes at times uh, in some of these games. And so it's undoubtedly uh, a big thing. And, you know, I think it's just a situation where they they need him on the court. And um, I I know, you know, you've seen things where – He's expected to play this weekend, um, and that's something where they would certainly love to have him on the court. And, but like you said, will it be at 100%? That's the thing that you kind of have to watch because uh, you never know. With these injuries, as we know sometimes, you can expect one thing, and then when a guy gets out there and tries to play through it, it, it can turn into something else. Um, and so you don't ever really know, but but they need him. And to continue this role they've been on, you know, Kermit Davis, I mentioned it, we talked to him on the podcast, and he just said their their level of defense was not what it had been in that game against LSU, and they need someone like that, uh, like Shuler, who can offer value on that side of the court as well as the offensive side of the court. Um, so th- their perimeter defense and really just defense as a whole, he's someone you need on the court. Um, so you certainly hope he can get back to 100% because that's, that's going to be a key uh, part of Ole Miss's success here moving forward, and, and we always say the schedule. The schedule does matter, um, and when you look at the upcoming schedule for Ole Miss, go through the next five games at home against Arkansas, at Alabama. They've got which I mean, they've got Iowa State at home in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. You're at Florida at home against Mississippi State. There's no gimmies anywhere on the SEC schedule. So you want to be able to kind of rebound quickly against an Arkansas team that's kind of been struggling a bit. Um, so for Ole Miss, it's important to have him on the court. But if he, you know, if it gets to a situation where maybe he's not at 100%, then you've got to have other guys step up. And I think that's really been a, a big key to their success so far this season is that they've had other guys step up. Uh, I've mentioned the freshmen many times of how much value they've added to this team, and you've you got to be able to continue to get that uh, from those guys, and that's what's going to kind of propel Ole Miss moving forward and trying to stay uh, right there near the top of the SEC like they are right now. So next question from Connie. She asks, uh, will the season's Big 12 SEC challenge on the horizon? Which matchups attrain you the most, and how do you think the SEC will fare overall? Yeah, it's it's another great schedule, and we've come to expect that given how uh, tough both conferences are now. The Big 12, of course, you have so many different teams. Um, I think the Tennessee-West Virginia one probably looked a lot better to start uh, the season. West Virginia hasn't exactly uh, – they've had a down year, and you know I don't know that it's necessarily that surprising just based on what they lost from a season ago, but now they're sitting there uh, at 0-5 in league play. But when you look at the overall schedule, there, there's a ton of great games on there. Kentucky and Kansas is going to be the one that everybody looks at, as we know uh, from a national standpoint, just because we know where both teams are at right now. But we just said it, too, that that Ole Miss-Iowa State game, uh, that is definitely one that looks a lot better maybe than it did earlier in the season because we didn't really know exactly what we're going to get from either team. But Iowa State is a legitimate uh, Big 12 title contender. Uh, Ole Miss, as we keep saying, I mean, they're a team that's just been uh, moving right along. Aside from the loss to LSU, this is a team that's playing as well as anybody in the country as well. So these are two teams that can really put together one of the best games of the challenge, I think. And so it, it should be a similar situation where we can kind of go in looking at these matchups and feel like we know how they're going to play out. But, um, you know, it's probably one of those where if you just look at the matchups on paper, 
the Big 12's got a chance to to kind of get their revenge this year, but I also wouldn't be surprised uh, if some of these SEC teams are able to go on the road uh, and make things interesting as well. So uh, it should be a lot of fun, always is. And as I always say, everyone has to remember it's one day of games. Um, and while it can be something that you kind of react to and feel like, oh, well, this conference is better than that conference, um, it is one day of games, but it is also one that can provide a big boost in terms of your NCAA tournament resume, and that's what some of these SEC teams will try to do because, as we know, as good as the Big 12 is, there's a lot of quality win opportunities out there, um, and so you're going to have that chance in conference play, but you're also going to have some on this particular day in the challenge. Uh, so the, it'll be a big opportunity for, for a lot of these SEC teams as they try to kind of beef up their resumes uh, here moving forward for the league to, to try to get back to getting you know eight teams in again or maybe seven, however it kind of shakes out. But that's probably looking like the number. Uh, again, it's going to be seven or eight, I think, uh, at this point. So uh, another question here from Guy. He asks, uh, Blake, what do you think about the young LSU Tigers uh, and how they have improved their game recently compared to the early part of the season? Yeah, guy. I think it was uh, it was expected. We we kind of said earlier in the year that everybody kind of had to remember just how young this team was, and there was going to be some games I thought where they would lose games, maybe that later in the season they wouldn't lose, just based on some of that inexperience. And we we saw that in games away from home, uh, the loss to Florida State, which was one that just shouldn't have happened. I mean, LSU had that game won, um, and then came back, lost in overtime. Then you had to rebound two days later, play Oklahoma State. And you kind of expected a letdown in that spot, and certainly they didn't play well at all uh, in that game. And then to go lose at Houston, which Houston, uh, as we know, has been one of the uh, more surprising teams maybe in the country this year at 17-1 and uh, overall, their only loss at Temple on the season. So that's a really good Houston team. And since then, though, we've seen LSU really put it all together uh, and start to make their run. And based on the talent, uh, it's not a surprise because this is, again, one of the most talented teams in the SEC from top to bottom, uh, one of the better teams talent-wise in the country, I would think. And you just have to look at why, and it's because you bring back one of the better playmakers in Tremont Waters in the country, uh, one of the best kind of dynamic guards that there is, and then you add to it all these talented freshmen that we've seen contribute, whether it's Reed, whether it's Smart, um, you know, Williams. It's You go down the list and you add all these different guys that bring uh, the necessary strengths that, that Will Wade wants and, and how he wants his team to play. And we've seen that with LSU. And I, I've said it the other day to someone, I'd be more surprised than not if LSU finishes outside the top four or five in the SEC. I just think they're that talented. And when you have the playmakers on the roster that they have, it gives you an opportunity to win a lot of games. And they got a chance to really push this thing out here because you look at their next four games – they're at home against South Carolina. Yeah, South Carolina's played really well, 4-0 start. Uh, it's been excellent. Then you got a home game against Georgia. You're at Missouri. You're at Texas A&M. And then even you go a step further, you're at home against Arkansas. It's not easy. No no games are gimmies, as we always say in the SEC. There are no gimmies. But that's a pretty manageable five-game stretch here if you just look at how teams are playing right now. Uh, so I would not be someone that would be shocked if LSU is able to really continue this run here and even potentially uh, win uh, the majority of those games because I just think talent-wise you get a lot of home games in there uh, before you get into uh, kind of a tougher stretch maybe later in the season. But 
there's a lot of opportunity, and I like the way that LSU's schedule shapes up. Uh, so don't be shocked at all if we're looking up here towards the last couple weeks of the season and LSU is a team that's right there in the SEC title race because I just think they're, they're finally starting to find their groove. They're more consistent defensively. We know how good they can be offensively. Uh, and that win at Ole Miss, I think, kind of showed us a lot about what's possible for this LSU squad. Next up, uh, got a couple questions here from, I think it's at Maceo Baller. Uh, 16 on Twitter. He asks, uh, who'd be in your SEC midseason all-freshman lineup? Um, it'd probably be tough just to, to pick my, my starting lineup on that, but I think when you look at the, the, the freshmen, uh, we came into the season talking about the recruiting rankings and kind of showing where all these different guys were at. Um, and it's kind of been a thing where the guys we thought would be right up there have been. When you go down the list, I mean, you can start anywhere you want, really. Uh, you know, look at what Kelvin Johnson said over to do at Kentucky. Uh, Kyra Lewis, we've mentioned many times, who's kind of emerged uh, into, I don't want to say he's been surprising, but I just don't think we knew exactly what his role would be or how quickly he would be thrown into the mix. Uh, after reclassifying, look at what someone like Isaiah Joe's done at Arkansas. He's given that team a really big boost there. And then you go on down the line. I mean, there's been just so many good freshmen and how they're able to contribute for their teams. We knew what the duo of Vanderbilt would be able to do, uh, but Darius Garland, as we know now, out for the season with an injury. Uh, but even, you know, Simi Solisha, too, he's someone uh, that has contributed and has had to uh, for that team, even even with them having some struggles. Uh, and you just go down the line. I mean, look at what someone like Javante Smart has done at LSU, Emmett Williams, uh, guys like that. There's just so many good freshmen. Uh, there's probably guys I'm forgetting. Andrew Nimhart's played a huge role at Florida, uh, as we know, just kind of being the guy that they have to rely on. We, we mentioned Florida struggles earlier, but there's so many different guys, uh, and, and freshmen have kind of been, you know, people that have had to be relied upon to be top playmakers for, for a lot of these different teams, and I don't know that that's anything really uh, that was unexpected uh, necessarily at this point. But uh, let's see. Next question from you is uh, he asks about the conference transfer of the year so far. Well, I mean, you look at like a JUCO transfer, someone like Mason Jones, who has kind of emerged uh, as just really a great option uh, for Arkansas. I mean, his his scoring ability, you know, his ability that it's kind of helped some of those concerns we had about Arkansas with the youth and knowing that they lost Daryl Macon and Jalen Barford last year, who were going to be the guards uh, that were able to kind of step into those roles. And Mason Jones, we mentioned Isaiah Joe. Those guys have done a good job. I think Mark Smith, um, someone who has given Missouri a big boost after coming over from Illinois and then sort of, you know, being able to play this season. Didn't know if that was going to happen. Uh, so there's been a lot of guys uh, that you look at that, that have made big contributions, uh, but definitely, you know, freshmen and transfers, as we know, uh, that's kind of becoming the name of the game in college basketball where you have uh, so many guys that are able to step in right away and be major factors, and the SEC has certainly had that. Uh, another question you have is on South Carolina. You know, just looking, you ask, you know, the thoughts on the South Carolina roster, the present run, and how far this team can go. It's a good question, and it's one that I think we feel like we maybe know the answer to, but yet South Carolina just keeps winning games. Um, and it's just, I don't know, it's just that toughness that wasn't there necessarily. It was sort of unique for a Frank Martin team earlier in the season. They weren't playing great defensively. Um, they just kind of didn't have that edge that we've seen other South Carolina teams in the past have, and that's why they came into the season picked as low as they were, uh, because even with Chris Silva, we knew there were a lot of questions. Uh, around him but after that four game stretch where they lost at Wyoming 
just one of those games where they absolutely should have won that game. Wyoming simply has not played well uh, this season. They're 4-13 and overall. So to go lose that game the way they did uh, by 9 at Wyoming and then have to turn around and play Michigan, Virginia, and Clemson, it seems like something just kind of clicked in there, and they were able to take things away from those losses and turn it into, you know, kind of having that mentality they used to have several years ago. And you got to give Frank Martin credit for that. that. Their ability to turn things around is not easy to do. But we knew that someone like Frank Martin uh, was going to continue to be tough and continue to kind of push his players to get over that, you know, kind of streak where they just couldn't get anything done. But now they're able to. And it's not as though they, they've won four SEC games just, you know, against low-tier competition. They've beaten Florida. They've beaten Mississippi State, Missouri, and Vanderbilt. Some of those teams have struggled, sure, but – Two of those games are on the road at places that are not easy to win, at Florida and at Vanderbilt. So you got to give the Gamecocks credit. And at this point, their schedule does get tough. We mentioned earlier, they got LSU next, they've got Auburn, and then they've got Tennessee. Those are their three next three SEC games. If you go to like their next five SEC games, you're at Georgia, you're at Kentucky. So there's a lot of tough matchups coming up here soon. Uh, before maybe things look a little, I don't want to say easier, because it's not going to be easy, but at least the schedule maybe sets up a little bit better uh, going into the maybe the, the stretch run of the regular season. But this stretch right here is going to tell us a lot about the Gamecocks um, and if they can kind of continue doing this. But right now they have that confidence, they have the momentum, and that can mean a lot, uh, especially when you're a program that, that maybe has not been able uh, to get over that hump at times uh, over the past couple of seasons, and they're trying to get back uh, to being a legitimate title contender uh, once again. So, And finally, uh, a group of questions from the, the always are entertaining questions. Um, he is uh, He's on Twitter, at uh, Kerry Chimp, C-A-R-A-Y-C-H-I-M-P. Um, he always sends over some very interesting and entertaining questions. I don't know that we'll get to all of these, but we'll try to hit as many as we can. Uh, his first one, if you ask the SEC coaches which opposing SEC coach they would like their son to play for, who wins that vote? That's a great question. Uh, you'd probably have a lot of different answers. You know, if you went through and polled every single uh, SEC coach and, you know, wanted to know who would you, if you had to pick one other coach, who would you pick? Uh, them to play for and it is it's a great one I mean it's one where uh, I think you could go a lot of different directions um, you know if, if you want your guy to go to the NBA and feel like uh, he's got a really great chance of doing that as quick as possible <laughs> certainly look at a place like Kentucky uh, with what John Calipari has been able to do there if you want you know someone that you, you want him to play for just a veteran coach that has had all the success you look at what Rick Barnes has been able to do at Tennessee uh, would not be a bad option there. You just go on down the line. Uh, that, that's a good question, though. I think that that would be an interesting question to ask uh, coaches just to kind of get their opinions. Um, and you've probably, again, you get a lot of different answers on that one, uh, I think. So let's go on down the list here. Uh, here's another entertaining one. Uh, you get a court order that says that you have to name your firstborn one of three names, either Nas Reed level Admiral Schofield level or Semisola Chateau level? Which one are you choosing? Boy, that's uh, that's a tough one, but I'm telling you, just as I said them, there was one that, that kind of 
uh, I think stood out uh, above the others. And I think that's Admiral Schofield level. Um, and I think it's just the Admiral part of it. I mean, how can you go wrong uh, with having that uh, and that, you know, given especially what Admiral Schofield's been able to do this year. We talk about an SEC player of the year candidate uh, right along with his teammate Grant Williams. So I don't know. Maybe uh, calling my son Admiral uh, would not be a bad thing. It just has a a very uh, authoritative, uh, you know, ring to it, and uh, it would be something where, hey, if he if he came out and played like Admiral Schofield, uh, we'd probably be doing okay. So that'll wrap up uh, this mailbag edition of the podcast. Uh, there may have been a couple questions we didn't get to, but I'll throw them. Uh, in another episode here coming up. As I mentioned on Thursday, trying to get back to doing these podcasts regularly. You guys have asked for it. Uh, I know you enjoy them, so we want to try to do more of those. And also, go over to Southeast Tubes. Just check out the podcast page there. Uh, That's where I'm putting links to all the other podcasts I do, all the radio appearances. So if you want just a constant stream of SEC basketball discussion, you can find the links to all those over there at southeasthoops.com. Of course, that's where our written stuff is as well. With the uh, the predictions, the previews, uh, the weekly power rankings are back, all kinds of good stuff. And then make sure you subscribe to the Southeast Hoops podcast, go over to iTunes or any podcast app that you use and just search for Southeast Hoops. That way you can subscribe. And uh, that way you're not missing any of the stuff that we have coming up on the podcast. Also, the radio show I do in Nashville is back. Uh, so another cheap plug there. We talk about SEC basketball every single Saturday, uh, so you can catch that. I put that out on Twitter at the Blake Level, uh, so you can listen to that uh, every weekend as well. A nice quality hour of college basketball discussion, as well as uh, some other entertaining uh, stuff in there as well. Uh, so a lot of fun to do, and we'll have more SEC basketball thoughts uh, there and all over the place. So uh, be sure you're subscribed wherever you need to subscribe. Uh, so you don't miss any of the stuff uh, that we do have coming up. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.